Hello, everyone, and welcome to another special edition of the Zorch Podcast. We've actually have had three of these in a row. Uh, this is a little bit different from our normal process. Normally, we talk to legends and leaders kind of from their name, kind of about their experiences and how they've impacted the world. But what has changed in the last couple of days, uh, folks' worlds have been impacted, those who are Notre Dame fans and those who care about Notre Dame and the thousands and thousands of Subway alumni out there. So I decided to kind of do a show about it. So the first show was talking to former players kind of about the the um, about Coach Kelly leaving Notre Dame. The second episode was with the media, kind of the folks who had the the boots on the ground, so to speak, the 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 air to the, the their ear to the ground in the South Bend area nationally, talking about kind of what ramifications and who they think the the coach was going to be. Um, That was yesterday, and surprisingly enough, now we actually have a a coach officially at Notre Dame, and that was Marcus Freeman, was named earlier. So I decided to have another show with reactions um, from these legends of Notre Dame lore that we're very, very familiar with. So this is going to be a fun, exciting show. We also have a couple friends of the university as well. Um, and before we kind of start to kind of get into the conversations, I have a small video that I want to show, um, mainly because I think Marcus Freeman is just a badass, but this is just really cool because this kind of lets folks understand and see why people are so excited, uh, about Marcus Freeman. We're extremely proud of you guys on your focus and your ability to lock in all week long this week. Okay. It was awesome to see, awesome to be a part of. It shows who you are, your DNA, your mental toughness, your physical toughness, the way you compete, the way you care about each other. Okay, that's what this team run is going to be about. Competing, getting after it with mental and physical toughness, and being the best in the country in what we do. So are we ready to do that? Yes, sir. All right, so what I'm going to do now, okay, because you're brand new, Head football coach. Yeah. Tom, uh, we're, we're first going to go to you. Um, and, and you are uh, a, a wonderful benefactor to the university. The business school is named after you. And I kind of saw you smiling and laughing uh, during that showing. Um, you know, you've been a special friend to Marcus. Um, you know, really, how did you meet? And kind of what, what was your first impression when you met him? So uh, Derek Hamilton's a good friend of mine, Kyle's dad. And okay. he FaceTimed you one day. And he had Lance Taylor with him, our running back coach, and Marcus. And Marcus had just come to the university. He was just doing that to introduce me to, to Marcus. And then Marcus said, would you mind if I could follow up with a phone call with you? I said, that'd be great. And the two things struck me, Christopher. So he calls me, or we set up a call. And he says, tell me about you. Tell me all about you. He didn't want to talk about what he had done. or who. And I was like, that's very unusual for someone to do that. You know, one of my leadership beliefs is that people don't care what you know unless they know that you care. The way he drew me in like that, and he and it was so honest and authentic 
that I thought this is a guy who's going to relate to people extremely well because it's not about him. He's he's really trying to meet you. The second time or a couple of weeks later, we had a phone call. He said, Tom, can I talk to you about my philosophy on recruiting and how I how I see Notre Dame's philosophy? I said, that'd be great. He said, my view is Notre Dame will never theater from you got to be the student that can get in here you're academically going to be able to compete and you're going to come out of here and make Notre Dame proud that's never going to change he said then what Notre Dame does is they take kids that have a proclivity for Notre Dame you know their dad's a fan their mom's a fan they they go to Catholic school they narrow that aperture and then they get the highest percentage of those kids I said yeah he says to be as clear as I could be that is not going to be my philosophy Wow. And I was like, he said, the first part will never change, but I'm going to get kids who are incredible athletes who can get through here, but they may know nothing about it. They may think they hate Notre Dame. He said, now I'm going to convince them there's nowhere on earth like this university because I believe it. And he said, and that's why they call it recruiting. (laughs) And he told me the story. He goes, there's a kid here today named Josh Burnham. And Josh is a linebacker from Michigan, and he goes, and everyone believes he's going to Michigan. He grew up there. Everybody has in their crystal balls. And he says, and he just committed to me tonight. When the world hears that, they're going to understand things are different now. I was like, oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> he, said, we're ne- he had said, we're never going to be Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State with that small an aperture, and we're going to change that. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. And and he certainly has done that, Chris, with the defensive recruiting. You can't miss it. Well, I just think it's so interesting to kind of have a, have a quote, end of quote, outsider be able to kind of turn our recruiting kind of around literally in a few months. You know, I think I, what struck me was his own story, which I got to the second phone call. Here's a guy, by the way, he looked seriously at Notre Dame, but he's from Dayton, Ohio, and just chose to stay home. But he had a lot of respect for Notre Dame during the recruiting process. He, then he's a star at Ohio State. He's all Big Ten twice. Absolutely sure he's going to have a long NFL career. They do a physical, and he's got a heart problem. He can't play. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, I was not prepared for that. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't go through college thinking that way. I don't know what he studied at Ohio State, but he didn't feel particularly set up for that moment. And so when he talks to young men now and he says, listen to me, this could end at any moment. This is as great as you think you are. Even if it goes your own way at 30, you'll have an eight year career. What are you going to do afterward? And that's why he gets Notre Dame. He's like, this place is special. You compete with five-star athletes with your own stars and you compete with five-star students in the classroom. If you come out of that, you're a different person. The world knows it and you'll know it. I'm like, let me, let me go. So wow. he gets Notre Dame. It's interesting. He didn't graduate there, and some people that graduate there don't get it like he gets it. No, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that's that, that's, that's really great. You. I introduced him to you, and you called me and said, this guy gets it. <laughs> I mean, I, I was fired up. And, and I'd like to bring in now someone who's really kind of had really kind of a uh, one of the closest experiences kind of with the, the coaching staff, the whole football team, Brian Kelly, Obviously, um, Marcus Freeman, and I'd like to now bring in Ryan Harris, kind of the voice of of, of Notre Dame football. And Ryan, I want to, first of all, I mean, we have the the, the guru of leadership in Tom, but I want to get your first reaction 
or excuse me, I'm going to get your reaction on the video that I just played a couple minutes ago because, or, or how did you feel the first time you saw that? Man, I was fighting back, you know, tears of joy. That was amazing, you know. Um, and Tom, fantastic story. You got me even more pumped up, you know. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Ray. But, but, you know, Chris, we know, and, and you know, the legends that are coming behind me as well, a, a locker room is a very honest place, right? If you don't like somebody, it's okay, right? You don't have to like everybody in a locker room. Um, but what you saw there was a team of 80-plus young men jumping for joy. I mean, I, 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 and I had some great coaches, but I've never <laughs> seen that kind of an entrance. And, and does it mean anything? Maybe, right? But I'll tell you something. You didn't lose a single player in that locker room, right? Mm. And you didn't lose – you're not going to lose the, the amount of recruits that you would have lost had Marcus Freeman not been named head coach, let alone the next year. So you're talking about three to five years of recruiting work would have went away. And so not only the joy of the players, but that's real. I mean, you, everybody who's been in the locker room knows you don't have to lie in a locker room. That was real joy. They were excited. That was after a workout, too. Come on, man. You wiped out. So I loved it. And I think it just gave everybody who hasn't met Marcus Freeman or hasn't seen him interact with the team, it gave them a quick insight into how much rapport he's built with his team in just a half of a year. And that's really amazing. And really the thing, and I'm kind of old school and I kind of frown upon um, cameras in the locker room yes. and kind of what social media has kind of done in those situations. Right. But here's a perfect example of why like there should be cameras in the locker room, right? Because without, and, and as you said, Ryan, without us having a chance to kind of see that, I mean, now the whole world has a chance to kind of see not only who Marcus is, but how his players feel about him. And the fact that he kind of, you, you really couldn't kind of hold him back as he was kind of coming out the door. He was fired up and raising his Yeah, fist. Yeah, he had that fist pump, you know, and he, he's <laughs> that going was like that. He did and, that and jumped in? Whoa. Yeah. And, and I think what it, what it does, too, I mean, I think all we all agree that we've never seen the Notre Dame family united like this. I mean, everybody's talking to people that you haven't talked to in, you know, maybe months or weeks or the frequency hit an all-time high, right? Sure, sure. Uh, but when you talk about Notre Dame, a key aspect has always been for students and athletes who are student athletes, there's something more than what meets the page, right? There's something more than just playing football at Notre Dame or just going to class. You, there's, a, there's an intangible to Notre Dame, and either you understand it and love it or you don't get it or you hate it. But that intangible, yep. to me, is as important as anything else, right? That's the reason why, whether I'm in San Francisco or Barcelona, Spain, if someone says, go Iris, I know I have a friend, right? It doesn't <laughs> matter. And so I, I think, you know, you got to see that intangible that we all know and love and couldn't explain about Notre Dame. You saw that in that video. You know, Ryan, I, I've been fortunate enough to know a couple of the, a few of the dads on the defense specifically. Their reaction when he got that, I mean, tears in their in their voice about they were so excited and they're talking about their sons. But And over and over again, they say, he looks out for my son. He knows my son. He knows... He treats you, everybody as an individual. Ryan yeah. can take this. Tom needs that. Chris needs this when you motivate. He doesn't just like, you have to deal with me. Yeah. He really takes the time and energy to get to know them. And their parents know it. Now, that is important at Notre Dame. The kids are all the way from home. Yeah. Not a home, you know, a state school. So I just, 
I just left there thinking, oh, my God, this is a moment. I, I think all the people that will follow. Yeah. Well, well and think about, think about, too, look at Bo Bauer, right, a guy who's kind of a special teams guy who all of a sudden is playing middle linebacker like you expect the Pennsylvania middle linebacker at Notre Dame to play. I mean, yeah. D.J. Brown has been fantastic at the safety position. And he was a guy who really didn't see much playing time before Marcus Freeman. Cam Hart has reached a new level in playing cornerback under Marcus Freeman. And that's why I, I like to mention, too, you know, we've all been asked about Marcus Freeman, but he's a father of six, husband to one. I mean, you want to talk about Tom learning how to see somebody? You got six <laughs> kids, right? I mean, he's got practice. Hey, yeah. Tom, I love you. Good to see you. Chris, I love you. Good to see you. Reggie, I love you. You know what I mean? You've got to be able to do that. Um, and I just think maybe he's 36, but there are a lot of us who may not have the patience that a father of six and a husband to one will have every day walking in the door. What a great well, point. You know, I just think it's so special, although um, I have no kids on the team, but as soon as kind of all this went down uh, a few days, seems like a month ago, but um, a couple days ago, the first people I started thinking about were the players because yeah. I mean, regardless of how close it is, that's that's obviously important, right? But I mean, the coach has talked to the parents. They they they've talked to the kids. The, the coaches look these people, these folks in the eyes and said, "Hey, I'm gonna take care of your kid." That's the first part. Now, the second part, you fast forward to what we just saw, and, and Tom kind of alluded to it. How do you think the parents felt? of these group of young men just after workout, just, just, just got their butt kicked in the weight room. Then all of a sudden now they're introduced to their, to their new coach for the first time, all that excitement. I mean, as a, now, every time I watch that, I get goosebumps. I get a little, little teary eyed. So I can't imagine the parents of these kids and, and, and how they feel. Tom, I know you spent a lot of time with them. I mean, I just can't imagine how they're feeling right now. I, I know that the uh, the most common thought was he's such an authentic person. That's mm. all, that word comes through all the time. Everybody, they, you know, if you meet him, you know. And as an aside, just because I'm going to have to go pretty soon, one of the things that he told me and I know is going to happen, he wants to get a close relationship with all the people who are going to be on the screen here in a little bit. Mm. I don't think Notre Dame's done the best job with former players bringing them mm. into this family as tight as they should, and he feels that way. And Marcus is going to make this different, and I think that will take our university to another level. There's so much you guys have to offer these young men, and if you know you're welcome to do it, you have open access to it, and you're invited to do it. And He told me that, and I was like, oh, my God, because I've, too many of you guys have said we don't feel that way. Right. So this is right. going to a whole different level. That's, I'm so excited that we're using all the assets we have at our – our resource at resources for the players good you're just trying to help well ryan i can't you kind of alluded to this before i can't imagine or i don't remember the type of groundswell that i mean this is you talked about not having a chance to kind of talk to people from their name that you haven't talked to in a while i mean i've never been this excited about a head coach and before and i mean the idea that before he's given his first speech as the head coach to the public, I mean, everybody, all the Notre Dame fans around America, we're, we're all excited already. So yeah. he can come out 
fall on his face and trip over the podium. And we're supposed to be like, oh, yeah, he's our coach. He's our coach. Yeah. Coaches don't need to be at podiums. They need to be on the <laughs> field, right? I mean, but, you know, and, and what I think everyone's overlooking is I believe all coaches want that, right? Coaches want a groundswell of support. And I don't know that every coach coming in has had that, you know? Sure. I don't know that they've had that. I think it's also indicative of how excited we are about this young team. I mean, this is an incredible team to, to, to know and to have watched what Kyron Williams did to get to 1,000 yards against Stanford. Mm. I mean, come on. We haven't seen heart like that in years, you know, to see Lorenzo Styles start to go, you know, Logan Diggs. I mean, there's a lot to be excited about, and that's, that's why I believe so many of us were taken back when there was a, when there was a change. But whoa, whoa. How could, how could anybody who's been close to this team not be as absolutely thrilled for their chances to win a national championship as I am? You know, and you call it. So you're, I'm so happy that Coach Freeman has that groundswell of attention on the program, that he's not coming into a four and eight program or something like that. Um, and that there are key pieces there, and Tommy Reese and Mike Elston and others. Uh, I think Scott Bayless keeping him is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, a, it's fantastic that Coach Freeman has this groundswell. And, and, Tom, to your point about engagement, I mean, everyone wants to be engaged with Notre Dame. You know, how can we be a part of, of supporting a coach who was literally thrown into the fire at one of the most unique and unheard of times in college football history when it comes to coaches? Yeah. And what I know from being at Notre Dame is that it doesn't matter how you get there. We work together to make sure you succeed. That's how I got my degrees at Notre Dame in three and a half years, because when I got to campus, my family wouldn't let me fail. And I, and I look forward to Coach Freeman feeling that in the many different ways that we do that for each other for our ladies' university. That's awesome. Wonderful. Uh, Jim, I had you guys up first. I know you guys got to bounce you guys with other commitments. I just kind of wanted to get you guys on here because I uh, want to kind of give different aspects of kind of this hire, but also really kind of see how different folks are enjoying this, this great hire. I mean – when I've been talking to Tom and, you know, I, I haven't been this excited when we've been kind of going back and forth texting in a very long time. So with texting with you and, 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 and again, Ryan, with you having a chance to kind of see this team up close um, yeah. in the beginning of the season can kind of go through, have to overcome some hurdles to this point now where, you know, at one point, one coach walks off the door and then literally the other coach runs down there through the door. Yeah. I mean, this is just some amazing stuff. Hey, Chris, one of the things that struck me today was so cool. Every other coach would have given a talk to the team. They would have walked in, spent 15 minutes talking. And that's what we would have seen. The fact he didn't say a word except do that and charge in was like, oh, my God. Absolutely I mean, amazing. This is different. <laughs> it's giving me the chills right now. You saying it, Tom, you know, yeah. in, in the samurai culture, they say bad leaders say attack, great leaders say, follow me. And that seems like <laughs> the moment we saw. Exactly. And I can tell right. you from winning a Super Bowl with a coach who played, when you have a coach who played the game, it is completely different because they understand what it's like to be in the huddle and know that your coach either believes in you or doesn't with the play call. They understand that, yes, it's going to be tough, but you're going to be better on the other side. They know how to push you further, I believe, than coaches who didn't play, and they've been in those situations that you can relate to them. So I can't wait to see what Coach Freeman does, and I'm so proud of our Notre Dame family at the joy that we're having over one piece of what makes Notre Dame so great.
Mm. Wonderful. Well, guys, thank you guys very much. I want to wish you guys a happy holiday, but we've got some 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 things that are going to go on tomorrow that hopefully we'll get some early early Christmas presents. Early gifts. Let's go. <laughs> hey, go Hawkeyes. Yeah. Go Hawkeyes. Go, go, go Houston. Let's go. Thank you guys go very much. Yeah, really. Really. Yeah, thank you. Go Irish, go Irish. Yep. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. You got it. All right. The next guest I'm going to bring in, um, why don't we kind of get a different perspective um, on what these kids are kind of going through with the coaching change. Um, we have an individual who's had a chance to, to really kind of be at the helm of two programs um, as the head coach, um, was a player at Notre Dame, uh, was the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. So, I mean, he's going to bring a, a breadth of experience, but we really kind of want to see what happens when there is a coaching change and, the interesting thing about Mike is, is he's kind of known as a kind of uh, turnaround guru, right? Because when you look at the programs he's actually had a chance to take around, he's, he's had a lot of success. So I'd like to bring in the one and only Michael Haywood. Hello, Mike. How are you doing, sir? What's going on, Chris? Hello, man. Hello. Now, first of all, I want to get when 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 you saw Marcus Hume go into the locker room for the first time, when you saw that video, how did you feel? Chris, I had chills going down my spine all the way down to my ankles. Mm. What an mm. what an outstanding hey, I tell you what now. What an outstanding locker room when you hear the passion and enthusiasm coming out of the players, and now your head comes out, pumping it up, jumping in the middle of you, celebrating with you. And what a great opportunity for the university. What great joy. And I'm glad that uh Jack listen to the players, but Jack saw what unity and teamwork is really like when he was in that locker room today. And mm. we always talked about playing together and fighting and competing as one. That locker room was one today. Oh, amazing. Amazing. So, and I want to talk to you about, I mean, what happens next? I mean, you know, you've took over a couple programs. Um, you know, what, what's, what is your first thought when you're thinking about, Walking into a new locker room, is it staff? Is it talking to parents? Is it talking to recruits? I mean, really, what's the process? Well, the process for Marcus is, uh, in some ways, it's really difficult because he didn't take a smaller job first. He didn't learn how to grow. So, <laughs> right. And then you get into, as Mac Brown said to me when I left Texas to go to the University of Notre Dame, he said, the eyes of Texas are upon you when you're at Texas but the eyes of the world are on you when you go to Notre Dame. Exactly. And so the world is upon him right now. And so Marcus is going to have to get people around him that can help pave the way and buffer some of this road that he's going to go through because there are going to be things coming at him. People are going to be grabbing at him. However, the most important thing is taking care of your kids. Right. But everybody's, yeah. And everybody's going to want a piece of him to develop a relationship with him. However, he's going to have to get someone in control that can manage that form and handle that process for him. But at the meantime, the number one thing right now is recruiting. December 15th is right around the corner. Right. Uh, Notre Dame has one of the top five recruiting classes in the country. You got to finish that recruiting class out strong. At the same time, you turn it over to Bayless, and he's going to make sure that the guys are in great condition for you. 
because that's the time that they spend in the weight room, getting bigger and stronger, spend uh, out there getting in great condition. Sure. Uh, guys that are injured, spending time in the training room, making sure that everybody's accountable and everybody's going to the training room. And you tell the, you tell the assistant coaches, you take care of your guys and make sure that they're doing X, Y, and Z. I'm going to continue to check on them every day with the head trainer, the head strength coach, and the academic people, but I need boots on the ground. So make sure that we right. have boots on the ground, taking care of these kids, giving them the attention and the love in which they need at this time, but at the same time, preparing to go win that bowl game, whatever who, whatever team in which we play. Hmm. So, I mean, so for example, when there is a coaching change, I mean, are the parents – you know, are they blowing your phone up? You know, I mean, are they like, you know, hey, where's my kid? Well, where does my kid stand on the depth chart? I mean, are you having to deal with alumni, parents, and everything else in that situation? Well, you don't deal with parents. You don't. You don't deal with parents uh, so much when you first take over. The parents okay. that you do deal. With, the parents that you do deal with. It comes from the academic side. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because in your academic meeting. Say you have 105 kids on the team, you go through all 105. And right. as you go through all 105, you're going to have about five to 10 that's going to need some special attention. So not only do you have to bring the coach in, you got to bring the kid in. And then you have to call mom and dad and talk to mom and dad and say, hey, this is where we are, but this is the game plan for success because your son's a champion. Otherwise, he wouldn't be here and he's going right. to finish like a champion. But I need your help. And as far as the logistics go, when you take over a program, I mean, is it smart to kind of keep the people who were there in place for a while? Because I could imagine, I mean, you may want to take, uh, you may want a smaller desk. Uh, you, you may want a, a bigger chair or something like that. Now, I know these are small details, but when you make something your own, I mean, what's that process? Is it like maybe within a month to kind of break everything in? Well, you go through that process. I mean, it takes a whole year to break everything in. Mm. It's going to take a while to break everything in. But the good thing about it is that Tommy Reese decided to stay. Okay. All right. So – now your offense is pretty solidified. Lance decided to stay at running back. Uh, Elson decided to stay at the defensive line. I'm not sure about the other guys, but now you have a nucleus. Right. All right. And so you keep going on with the way that it is because to be 11 and 1, much wasn't broken. Right. Right. Uh, right. All right. But you have to keep now, as I sent a text out to uh, Jack the other day, hey, we think BK for everything in which he's done for this university over the last 12 years. Sure. We thank him. We thank him from getting us in the position in which he, in which we have him in, in which we're in right now today. Right. But the most important thing is for us to build upon, build upon the foundation in which he is built. What a great opportunity for success. And Jack hit a home run when he hired Marcus Freeman. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I want you to, to stay there, Mike. I'm going to bring in the rest of this Motley crew and kind of get their reactions on the video, but also kind of how they feel. So our first was Captain uh, Linebacker Extraordinaire and just a, a wonderful, really quiet, um, reserved player, Ned Volkar. <laughs> 
<laughs> What's up, Chris? Hello, sir. And then we also have a really loudmouth, you know, crazy, ostentatious Reggie Brooks. Again, these are all opposites of who they are. And one of my mentors, a role model, I think that we could all learn something from. And I think he's going to have a great, great story to tell uh, really about being not only the first black captain at Notre Dame, but I'd love to kind of get his take on kind of how he feels about Marcus Freeman obviously being named the our new head coach. So we're talking about Tom Gateway. Tom, welcome. Hey, Chris. Hey, guys. Um, since you're the last one, uh, I want to get your feeling on the video that I just played, and I'm sure you've seen it a thousand times. And when you first saw that, how did you feel? I instantly felt a family atmosphere, mm. the kind you get at a reunion. You're right. seeing people that you, you know, you, you've heard about or you've uh, they've been family members and they're kind of legendary, but you don't really know them. Now, the coach Freeman spent a year this past year helping with that 11 and one record. Mm -hmm. Defense got up to kind of a slow start mid-season, mid sort of cranking in the gear. The players sure. seemed to be on board with what was going on, what was working, what needed to be refined. And ending the season on a high, high note, similar to what he had, had accomplished at Cincinnati, similar <laughs> to other places he's been, so that you can feel like, well, if he stays, then we really got something going. Right. So that family atmosphere struck me, you know, that, that's been missing. Um, I think yeah, the family yeah, atmosphere, it lends itself to team. Mm -hmm. Team lends itself to titles, winning championships. Correct, correct. You can't just win with a few stars here, there, the other. They can't carry the whole load. It, it really is a family and a community effort. I, so I felt I felt community on fire when mm. I saw it. <laughs> you know, that video, I, I never saw it. It was more like a mob scene, a flash mob. <laughs> that, that, you can call it that, man. It's, uh, I got energy. I felt like it was. they were galvanizing. They were before our eyes. You were watching sort of uh, a, 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 an evolution of something going on, uh, something scientific. You can call it love. You can call it respect. You can call it a lot of things, but one thing for sure, unanimous, the word unanimous is the key in the success going forward because, as you said, all coaches stayed. They didn't, they didn't disappear. They didn't jump ship. Second element, recruiting. You got people who are semi-committed, sort of handshake committed. You're trying to make them understand there is no crisis. There could have been a crisis, a major crisis, Absolutely. And, and, and an implosion that would have would have happened. And usually, you go to the outside, you bring in people, you know, other people are being let go, so forth and so on. Everybody's insecure. So that footage, I didn't see that one single insecure person in the room. <laughs> so obviously, they've gotten the message, and the message is, we found a way to protect you and the brand of Notre Dame. That brand has survived losses, losing seasons, winning seasons, championships. You want to protect the brand. He is an unbelievable salesman from what I understand. I, I've not met, I have not met Marcus Freeman. Mm -hmm. I want desperately to meet him. 
Mm. My whole background is sales and marketing. Mm. I want to learn some tips from him. In my my age, five decades ago I played, Mm. I'd like to find out what he's got in the bottle that gets him so many great players coming. And if we fuel in the future with a guy who can do that, who can deliver the goods, we're going to be back in the saddle heading to a championship, a commitment to winning a national championship, not just making dollars, not being a money machine, not being a corporation, but being a champion. That's what we want. And it's not about touching that sign because that sign didn't exist when I played. There you go. Play like a champion. Sure. That was instilled in us by the actual doing and the action and leadership situation and so forth and so on. So that was a long way of saying that was an unbelievable emotional family setting that uh, if he can generate that kind of energy in two minutes, just walking into the locker room, what does, what happens during a game? I mean, that's just exciting. Hmm, Wonderful. Uh, I want to talk to a emotional leader that, that I had when I was in in, in school, Ned, I mean, when, when you saw that for the first time, I mean, what were your first thoughts? Well, you said it right, Chris, for the first time. I have never seen a coach, a politician, the Pope could have walked through that door and not even got a tenth of a, of a rave, uh, you know, welcoming, arousing, uh, welcoming that, that Coach Freeman did. I was so jacked up. I went to try to put my helmet on. It went through the door, but it didn't fit. But, man, my blood was pumping. And I knew from your podcast this summer, Chris, when I listened to, Mark, listened to Marcus Freeman answer your questions, I said he is the next head coach in their name. Wow. And I thank Brian Kelly for 12 great years, uh, bringing us from uh, a, a very low spot to where we have are right now. And, and I give him so much credit for fighting so hard to bring in Marcus Freeman. And my first thought last year was, oh, my God, please don't let this guy go. And I was hoping Coach Kelly was one, two, maybe three more years, and then Marcus would stay and be the head coach. Sure. Well, I think uh, Coach Kelly had different plans for his own personal reasons, and that's fine. Uh, the second video today that impressed me even more than the, the great video of the team celebrating, everybody smiling, everybody excited about Stop that for a second. Find one kid that's not excited. You will not because I tried to. <laughs> but watch when Coach Freeman does talk to the team after that. He gets teared up when he tells the, the, the young men in that uh, locker room, you are the men that make the difference. You're the ones that, yes, Jack Swarbrick had to make the decision to hire me. Father Jenkins did. But you made it happen. Mm. He started to choke up. And I thought he was actually going to cry in front of those players, which would have been just fine, and they would have been excited about that. He cares so much about those young men. He understands the difference that they make not only in his opportunity and the other coaches' opportunity to stay in their name, but also about what they're going to do as a football team and also what he said was what you're going to do in life. And the thing that I love the most about Marcus Freeman today, he didn't talk about next year, five years from now. Exactly. He, just, he exactly. talked about we have to get – in 40 hours, whoever we play, we have to prepare to win that game because the seniors deserve it. The players, the coaches, the nerding family, that includes all of us here, 
and so many millions more deserve to finish out this season on a high note. It's all about the team with Marcus Freeman. It is not about Marcus Freeman. And not to bash Coach Kelly. I love Coach Kelly. When he spoke to his team at LSU, I didn't hear one word about, hey, guys, for the seniors here, I hope you finish out that you're real strong. I'll be cheering <laughs> for you. You know, you deserve it. Marcus Freeman is all about Notre Dame and the team. He gets it. He was the right man. Two years early, I'll take him right now, thank God. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Uh, Reggie, you're up next. In our green room, we have a, a, a another living legend. I won't name yet, but which means, Reggie, you're going to have to keep it under at least two minutes. Um, when you saw the video of Marcus coming to the locker room for the first time, I mean, what were your first thoughts? Just the, you know, the excitement of the players and understanding, like, I mean, these guys will run through a brick wall, brick wall for this man and the genuineness of it. You know, a lot, a lot of times, you know, you, you know, in this day and age, you get a lot of, you know, social media and everything is staged. That was not staged. That was pure emotion, pure joy and excitement for, you know, their their coach, their team. Their, that Notre Dame family, and it, it just resonated with me from you know years past of how close we were as as a group of players, and how you know you guys brought you know helped me to understand what it meant to be a player at Notre Dame. You know, I had the opportunity to to play with yourself and and, and then to to see that leadership and see what that brought with you know that excitement and that joy but also the importance of hard work. And one of the guys I was so glad to see them um, maintain was um, Matt Bayless. You know, mm -hmm. Matt Bayless is a, a, a Jerry Schmidt disciple. Um, and I just remember, like I said, you know, it, it hurt. It was hard. But, man, those workouts. And and, and Mike, Mike Haywood talked about just a little bit the importance of this offseason coming up. Again, we still have a season to go, but – the, the the that critical aspect of that first offseason under a new head coach, you couldn't have a better guy than uh, Matt Bayless leading this group as the guys go out, continue to, the coaches go out and um, recruit and, and get get ready for him in the spring. But I was so excited to watch um, watch that video, and I watched it at least fifteen times already. <laughs> you know, because it's just like, wow, this is this is intense. Um, we have a couple folks in the green room waiting to get in. Uh, I'm going to play it one more time just because I love it. It's only going to be a minute, but I'm going to play it one more time and, and get those guys react. We're extremely proud of you guys on your focus and your ability to lock in all week long this week, okay? It was awesome to see, awesome to be a part of. It shows who you are, your DNA, your mental toughness, your physical toughness, the way you compete. The way you care about each other, okay? That's what this team run is going to be about. Competing, getting after it with mental and physical toughness, and being the best in the country in what we do. So we ready to do that? Yes, yes sir. sir. All right, so what I'm going to do now, okay, because you're brand new head football coach.
how could you not get the, the smile get fired up on there? That, that's that is absolutely amazing. Now we have two additions to this wonderful cast of characters. We have our own Steve Berline, and I mentioned before, Ross Browner. We don't have to actually wait a little bit because I'm going to acquiesce to one of the best defensive linemen to ever play anywhere, pros or in college. Uh, Ross, when you see that, I mean, or when you saw it for the first time, what did you think? Absolutely loved it. I think the young players is going to have a different light on leadership and how to be, you know, led and coached and be respected. And I know some of the, uh, you know, some of his uh, interviews at halftime, you know, you're not doing great. You're not doing this. You know, we never had a coach like that. He always told us, get out there and do your best. And that's all we ask. And get out there and, and play the game. Play the game like you know how. Mm. And that's that's what I love about that. And Freeman, being in there young and having all those young players that could follow him is going to be a great, great deal. Very, very excited about that. Okay, Steve, when you had a chance to kind of see that clip um, of kind of the players going crazy for the first time, what were your first thoughts? Well, you know, that's one of those things that uh, you, you can't help but just get caught up in the emotion yourself. I was, let's be honest, we all would have loved to have been in that locker room to be a part of that and would have, without a doubt, uh, gotten caught up in the hysteria. And that's the, the reputation that uh, Marcus Freeman had to those of us on, on the outside. We kind of envisioned him as being that guy that, that really seemed to connect well with the players. And it showed up in the recruiting process. Uh, over the course of the last season, uh, it showed up in a lot of different ways. In the way our defense is kind of playing with that energy now when they're out there on the field, I think everybody had heard all these really positive uh, descriptions of the, of the kind of energy that Marcus Freeman brings to that football team. And just seeing that that true, real, uh, unaborted, unabated uh, emotion uh, coming out when they saw him walk into that locker room was absolutely spectacular and and it's the kind of thing that as, as we all know uh having been uh, a part of uh, different ups and downs during the, the journey of our careers something like this uh can really really propel a team to new heights and uh, i really hope that's the case with with this announcement and with things going on the way they are back uh at our alma mater notre dame i i really hope it it has that kind of an impact on what happens over these next few weeks well, it, it, one of the things that that I think that really kind of I, I I like and I don't like is that I mean, you know, there's no mention of him being being black, and I think that's interesting because when Tyrone Willingham was named the head coach, it was granted he was the first black head coach, but that was a huge deal, and I want to think that well maybe we've come so far that maybe we haven't had a chance to kind of say, well, hey, he's the second black coach, but someone who's really kind of had a really kind of interesting uh, character building experience at Notre Dame. And, and, and I apologize. I did not know about this um, as, as a student at Notre Dame, but when Tom Gatewood was on my podcast several months ago, I mean, he shared some amazing, amazing stories and one of those stories was really kind of eye-opening for me because he talked about how it was 
being named the first black captain at Notre Dame. And, and Tom, I'd like to know if you can share just a little bit of that story with us and kind of talk about really kind of what it means for you to see a second or another black coach being named the head coach at Notre Dame. Well, I think that ideally you like to think in, in, a, in ideal terms that the world is operating from one point of view, that the color of your skin shouldn't matter. Um, it's, it should be your character because after all, it's your character in reality, your character got you elected by your teammates to be the captain. I wasn't appointed the captain by the coach. The players voted. When I look around the locker room in 1970 and 1971, there were only a few black players. The majority of the room was white. So for Tom Gaywood to be elected, it had to be a majority, and the majority wasn't black. So <laughs> it had to be you know, respect for ability, respect for my leadership quality. And last would be, well, let's make him the first black captain. Sure. I don't think they decided that that was the reason that they were going to vote. So, so from my perspective, um, it was meaningful and more meaningful because the majority of the, of the electorate was not my skin color. So for me, it was legitimate. It wasn't a token effort. It wasn't uh, you know, window dressing. I didn't run for election. The running for election was basically doing what you did every day right. in practice, uh, in games, on the road. It was your demeanor was on display. Your character was on display. Um, I went to class. I was a, uh, a, a scholar athlete, not just an athlete. I did my homework, did my stuff, had decent grades. Uh, got recognition for that as well. And again, that's part of the trait. You know, having a gift and using the gift. Um, that's what you strive for. That's what coaches do. Coaches are, the job of a coach, for the, pretty much, and a parent, is to recognize what kind of talent their child has and put them in a positive environment and direct them. You know, right now, Marcus Freeman has an un incredible positive atmosphere with which to work in. That's the easy, that's the easier way to do it than being in crises. As I was saying before, management, trying to manage yourself out of a crisis situation. And that doesn't exist because everybody has on a unit, you know, on a unanimous basis are in his corner and he can direct from there. Um, so for me, I, I, I thought, the times were changing in 1970. Um, the time was right. Fortunate for me, and I hope those around me, I was the right choice. Uh, we had two captains in that day. Walt Potolsky was the, the captain of the defense. I was the captain of the offense. Potolsky is a guy who is an All-American just like me. Number one overall in the draft in 1971. Uh, went on to a pro career. Just a tremendous person. But again... We, 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 we didn't run for office, but but we did have an electorate that said, yes, you have my vote. You have, I'm confident in you. And that's what that team, that, that room full of guys in that 
in that stadium, in that locker room, gave him a vote of confidence. I'm sticking with you, coach. I'm not leaving. To hell with the protocol. I mean, the, the portal. I'm not walking through the portal. I'm going with you. I want a national championship. Not 11 wins, not 12. I want a national championship. 30 years, we've been dry. Let's go. Let's mm, go. Mm, mm. Um, Reggie, when you were at Notre Dame, you were involved uh, very heavily with the uh, alumni from all sports. Um, you were involved in our monogram club. Um, what do you think this hire, although he's a Buckeye, what do you think this hire is going to do for our alumni, for, for our athletic alumni? Hey, Reg? Reg. Okay, I think Reggie froze. But, uh, all right, so I will move to somebody who's not frozen. It's really a wonderful idea. And from that, I feel like, you know, the past alumni will be invited back to campus, be able to talk to the players. I mean, we were at a rally and Kelly had some police officers in between the alumni and the active players, and we were told not to talk to them. Now, oh. what kind of is that, you know? And, you know, here we are out there ready to get them on, get them, cheer them on, and we're not allowed to talk to them or, or touch them. Wow. I thought that was just really uh, very, very, very dishonorable. But oh. this is one of those type of things where I think we'll be invited back to campus. I think we'll be more involved with the program. And, and I'm so happy that, you know, we can contribute so much back to the players. Sure. Uh, we we're actually able to get Reggie back. Hey, Reggie, oh, sorry. I think you actually froze for a minute. But um, and, and Ross did a kind of a, a great job kind of filling in for you. But when you were with the Monogram Club, when you were working at Notre Dame, um, you were heavily involved in um, a lot of the athletic alumni. And the question I asked was, how do you think this will um, affect those football alumni, kind of naming Marcus, but a little bit more importantly, naming someone who actually played the game at a high level? How do you think that's going to do uh, – what type of impression is that going to make on the football alumni? It's already made a, a great impression. I mean, I've been on – you know, several of you guys are on the same text threads and the excitement. And I'm on text thread with other guys in different um, different eras, and this it's been a consistent um, perspective, a consistent joy, and, and, and you know, I've not seen this level of consensus as it relates to um, th this hire across the board and across eras. You know, I, I I was fortunate to have the opportunity to develop relationships with guys from you know the '60s. 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000, 2010s, and you know, and actually, to, you know, God, 2000s. Robert Blanton reached out to me. I mean, guys are genuinely excited about this hire, and and the one thing that really stuck out to me was the fact that you know, Marcus get his, you know, hot, having worked alumni relations, I never really had a a, a strong bond with Coach Kelly. But since Marcus has been there, 
I've reached out to him a few times and he's always responded back. And that really, and again, it's not been a lot of, I mean, it's not a lot, a lot of correspondence. Again, I've always wanted to welcome any of the coaches that have come here. You know, another guy that this responsive, you know, Tommy Reese, you know, it's, it's, a, it's just different. It's a different perspective um, that I think will resonate with the alumni. And he wants the uh, football alumni in particular, he wants them back at the university. He wants them back mm -hmm. on campus. He wants us engaged. Mm -hmm. And I can't think of the last time that that was the case. Yeah. You know, a lot of the, you know, outreach was, was my responsibility and it was not, you know, real very much promoted by the program. But now, I mean, he's saying, Hey, I want guys back. I want guys <clears throat> here. I want guys around the recruits. Mm -hmm. I want them to see the legacy that is Notre Dame. And, ha and again, we, he talks about the forward aspect of the forward thinking aspect about their lives. We're the product of that forward thinking. Right. And he wants that, he wants them to see these are the guys and this is what Notre Dame does for you after. We talk about that four for 40, but it's tough when you don't, when you're, you're a player and you're not seeing that 40, 50 years later. And that's why it's so important to have the former players back and engaged because that's you, you're seeing what you can be because that's important. That's what Notre Dame, that's, that's why you come to Notre Dame. Yes, you come to win championships, you come to play and compete, but it is the years later, you know, and you know, I, right. I'm gonna do a shameless plug, but the organization I oversee now, Hoaches Heroes, it's about a, a, a group of guys that it's beyond just your time at Notre Dame. You know, we have a, a brotherhood that extends beyond and it's a family, you know. You know, I know we know each other's kids, we know each other we know each other's wives and things like that that's what makes it in so much so special you know being a guy's best man or going to someone's wedding or when someone passes away you know i was talking to ron plants you know you know after his son passed ron his whole i mean literally his whole family went to notre dame all of his kids and to share a bond that goes beyond just those four four years that you're at, at an institution it's irreplaceable, but you don't know it if you don't see it. Right. And if if you're going to see it, it needs to be present in the in the locker room at certain times in in the in the um in the goog and in the in the practices. That's what again from what I've heard that they want because you know they want he wants to see that, and I cannot recall the last time that that was the case. So I mean the proof is in the pudding. Uh, you know, be interesting to see it, but that's what he said. And again, I I take a man at his word. That's where I see the excitement around the former players, because having that understanding of someone that's been through it, that's played the game, played at a high level, and understands the camaraderie that you have at the collegiate level, that brotherhood, it's 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 a immeasurable bond that is hard to really quantify. Dad, I saw you kind of nodding your head. Oh no, no. Uh, Ross, yeah, Reggie, were talking. I mean, I, I, I love what Tom about. and Ross said. I, I love Reggie's answer. I know Steve has, has an answer because he's a very skilled speaker. So I want to get get in here quickly <laughs> and say Reggie hit it on the nose when he said, 
the players are are the end product of what Coach Freeman and most coaches talk about when they recruit players. Right. And the greatest resources isn't the Golden Dome. It's not the beautiful church, which is beautiful, or the stadium. It's the end product of the students and the student athletes who come out. In, and I don't care if you're in a Hall of Fame for football. Uh, 99.9% of us never even make a penny playing football. Uh, show them the end product of grown men with good families, good jobs, uh, successful lives. That is what Notre Dame students do and Notre Dame student athletes do very well. That's the selling point that, Brian, that uh, Marcus Freeman gets already. He got that the day he walked in the door. He understood that clearly. That's the message. So if he wants to bring back any alums, and, and there's wonderful ones here and there's thousands, out to spring practice, meet the team. That's Ross Browner's end product, Reggie Brooks, you know, uh, Steve Brawling. We're all end products. Good for him, and I hope he does because that's the best resources of recruiting that he has for young uh, young men coming to Notre Dame that they want to get to Notre Dame. Steve, he kind of threw you under the bus, so, so please tell us your eloquent comments. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking it as throwing me under the bus. I think it was a, a backhanded compliment. Compliment. So I'll take it that way for sure. Uh, but but what I will say is is I agree with all the points on there. Um, you know, two main things that I would want to say. One, we all know that the people that are the players, the athletes that are drawn to Notre Dame are drawn to it for bigger reasons than just football most of the time. They understand the value of that education, that degree and how it's going to help you later in life. Now, as Reggie said, you, why would you not let them see that? And, and and to take it a step further, to have former players around, why not let them start establishing and building those relationships that are going to help them down the road? You know, when, when they run into, uh, you know, uh, a, a guy that has accomplished great things in his life after his football career at Notre Dame, he may be able to connect them and set them up with their first opportunities as a professional if they don't have the opportunity to play football sure. at the next sure. level. So why would you not take advantage of that? And then secondly, um, I can just tell you guys, I've got a couple of threads too of other Notre Dame alums, a couple of threads where there's not even any football players on it. And I can tell you, this is, this is really almost, um, you know, scary how this all kind of unfolded, but a lot of them were saying, Marcus Freeman should be our next head coach before this all even happened. You know, they saw the qualities in him. They saw wow. the way he was inspiring that defense. They were excited about that part of this football team, and they liked that guy. And they said, that guy's going to be a great head coach. I hope we don't let him get away. I hope he's a successor to Brian Kelly. And then, sure enough, within a matter of weeks, here we are. <laughs> so I think everybody's fired up. Yeah. Well, one of the messages, and Tom, I want to come back to you. I mean, what do you think um, from your experiences? And when I, I believe Mike Hayward's having a couple of issues with his connection when when he gets on, uh, I want to really want to kind of ask him because he's the uh, a great resource as a former head coach at, at a couple programs. But Tom, what do you think he's going to have to look out for being? the head coach in the situation where he's 36 years old, um, this kind of fell into his lap and literally in the next, well, tomorrow, well, we're going to find out tomorrow how many games they're actually going to have a chance to play. I mean, what do you think he should be aware of? Um, 
He certainly should not be have no fear. I think he's a fearless kind of guy. Um, he knows the type of core team that he's got. Um, I think he's just a very confident guy. Whatever whatever decision he makes or whatever steps he takes next, he's going to say the right things, do the right things. But he does wear emotion. He's a, he seems to be an emotional guy. Again, I don't know him and not met him. Right. Um, but I watch him on the sidelines. Um, uh, I, I see what you know, how players are around him and, and watch his body language. Uh, and that's what you do as a salesperson. You're on the other side of the of the desk and you're watching somebody and you're making decisions when you have that kind of contact. I think he's he, he's just a very, very comfortable guy in his skin. And he's a great salesman. I mean, I, I look I look at him as a as a sales guy that he's selling. He's selling it to his team. He's selling what we need to do um, and letting them know that there are rewards because, yeah, salesmen get a pretty good reward if they do their job, if they do things well. Um, I think he's going to approach it that way. And, and Ross, what are your feelings on that? I mean, it, it's, it's, it's not an easy place to play, and it sure as hell isn't an easy place to kind of coach at either. And, you know, being probably one of the youngest coaches in the country at 36, and, oh, by the way, you're at one of the most historic programs. I mean, what do you think he should be looking out for? Well, uh, he should follow his mind and don't listen to all the outsiders trying <laughs> to persuade him to do something else. He needs to just go on with his confidence and keep it straight and let his team know that he's all for them. And I think once you got a coach like that, you know, he's really going to get a better performance. He's going to get a better attitude and he's going to get a better product on the field. And, you know, just, just watching these players uh, last, last couple of games. I mean, I was really very excited because they picked up to another level and that level has not been reached. I hate to say it, but not in 12 years, I see champions. I see them going for championships now. And, you know, one thing about it, I think it's just going to be really uh, very determined that we can get back to campus and be there for him, any support that we can give him. Um, and, Reg, you did one great job, and you did it all by yourself, bringing <laughs> all the alumni together. I mean, you did a bad – you didn't have no secretaries. You didn't have nobody running people around. Reg had to do all that himself, and he still brought us all back together. And that's, that's a great compliment and a great honor, Reg. You did a wonderful job at Notre Dame. So well, I, I really appreciate that, and um, thank you. And, again, I just hope you all, all you guys know that it's out of love and I just, you know, having, like I said, gone through it, you know, and how tough it is, and you talked about it, Chris – it's not an easy place to coach and it's definitely not an easy place to play. Um, right. But there's value in the relationships because, you know, that's, that's mm -hmm. going to be what, you know, sets, th that's where the success comes is establishing those relationships. And I think, you know, Marcus is really good at that just from my interactions with him. And, you know, and I hope, you know, Corny doesn't get too easy. Okay. with telling, but Corny was up there, uh, uh, up, a poor game, the Georgia Tech game, last home game, 
with his son. The son's a sophomore. And he, he mentioned how he called me and just told me what a wonderful experience it was for him and his son. But he specifically said how Marcus Freeman, he watched him and how he engaged all the, the recruits and how he worked the tables. And it was genuine. And that comes, like you said, it comes from someone that understands that, you know, what these young men are going to go through and having a perspective of it and saying, hey, you know, we're here for you. And, you know, he didn't know Corny from he didn't know Corny was a former player, but right. he treated him like he was a part of the group and he treated his son so well. And he wasn't even you know originally on the recruiting list and, and, and he's on there now, but. He was struck enough by Marcus that he called me to tell me about that experience that he had with his son from a recruiting standpoint. And it just, you know, you know, it was just like, wow. So it had to be something significant for him to make a phone call. He didn't text me. He called me and said that was first rate. But, you know, you, I don't, you don't expect anything else from Notre Dame. And Ned, one of the things that I want to talk to you about, um, you know, you were a very emotional player when you played and you still are an emotional person. We all know that. Um, the idea of kind of watching him on the sideline, kind of seeing him. I mean, I, I, not that I researched and watched game tape, but I actually watched some game tape you playing. And Ned, he was—he reminded me of you. I mean, he was just going out there, kind of balls out crazy, had this this amazing kind of enthusiasm. I mean, how do you feel that would kind of um, translate into being a coach? You know what? He's a linebacker, so therefore you have to be a little bit nuts. And you definitely have to play with a lot of intensity, a lot of passion. Uh, but also linebackers are fairly intelligent people also. And he's a leader. I'm sure he was a captain in many times in his life. I, I don't know all his history, but could have been at Ohio State, but definitely high school. Um, many, everybody here was a captain at some time, sometime late, uh, other of their playing career, if not at Notre Dame. Um, I think it's going to translate great, great as a head coach. Uh, everybody here said it. You know, if the players want to play for you. If the coaches stayed here because they know they know you're in charge. They could have left easily and made more money in warmer weather. Maybe their life on recruiting would be easier. They said, no, we like Notre Dame a lot, but we love Marcus Freeman and the players at Notre Dame and this family. So we're staying. So, so he's already found with his sincerity and his genuine passion for the game, which he played with as a, as a linebacker, but also his personality that that rings out clear to Courtney Southall was there with his son on a recruiting trip that people trust him and believe him. And as Tom Gatewood said, you know, people, teammates don't let you captain. I always think, you know, we all play on some great teams and we had a lot, a lot of captains on our team, right? But they only vote for a couple. I was fortunate enough to be. I was with uh, another Caucasian player, Andy Heck, uh, uh, Mark Green, and uh, – and uh, Anthony Johnson was mulatta. If, if Reggie Brooks, if Reggie Ho came back for fifth year, we would have five foot two Korean guy as a captain in their name. So I like to think that as as uh, you know how to work the room as rational thinking human beings. And I think our country. I I know Notre Dame players and and fans. You know, I see like Tom said, we see character. 
I, I see character, people, personalities. I don't give a damn if somebody's purple. As long as they are good people and, and, and they can help us make our program better and, and something to be proud about. And uh, I think Marcus Freeman's that guy. You know, we'll give him, we'll give him all the support in the world to prove it. And win or lose, he's going to do it the right way. But the, with his personality, his work ethic, and the support he has, it's going to be pretty hard for him to fail. And we all understand national championships aren't won every year. We understand that. And the winning is more than just every game. It's, it's the kind of product you put on the field to be proud of. And the people you graduate who are successful in life. So I think he's the right guy. He came a little bit sooner than I thought. But, man, I'm so happy, like all of you, that we got him. And and the rest of the coaching staff that's staying in place. They're well, key to all this. Steve, that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you. I mean, you've had a chance – to be involved in, in a lot of teams and although not on necessarily on a college level, but when there is a transition or when you are going to a different team, I mean, it's not normal that oftentimes the coach that leaves, I mean, you have maybe one or two people kind of go with them. I mean, what, what do you think is the reason why none of the staff went left with Brian Kelly? Now, some of these guys have been with them for years. Well, uh, so I, I had the uh, the challenge of dealing with 10 head coaches during uh, the first 14 years of my NFL career. Now, some people might label me as a coach killer because of that, <laughs> but, but I choose to look at it differently. I like I that. Okay, in, fair enough. <laughs> I came into some pretty rough situations and, you know, one coach on the way out, new coach coming in. You know, the, the bottom line is that I have seen a lot. You're right. You know, uh, six different teams in the NFL and uh, two coaches at Notre Dame. Um, you know, there there were a lot of great ones that I had a chance to work with. And there were others that, that just didn't have the, the qualities to really engage people uh, that well and to draw people to them and to be able to, be able to raise people to, to be as good as they could be or to motivate them to be as good as they could be. But if you are one of those people, and if you had a, an opportunity like we all did here at some point in our careers to play for a person like that, it, it's very hard to define, but it's very easy to recognize. And I think that uh, Marcus Freeman is one of those guys that people just see it, they recognize it. And I'm not going to get into, you know, r ripping Coach Kelly because he was incredibly successful sure. um, and had an incredible run. You know, I have my feelings about, you know, the big games and, you know, the areas where he, he underachieved, I felt. Uh, but really, it wasn't that, that that little picture that Ned Bolkar sent us in one of our little group chats, Ned, the one with the, the empty plane. Uh, it really said it all. Because, <laughs> that was somebody else. That wasn't me. <laughs> okay, I thought somebody else. I thought it was, it was good. Sent, sent a picture of an empty plane saying, hey, these are all the coaches that are going along with Brian <laughs> Kelly. And that, that really says it all. I mean, that really, truly says it all. Uh, and I'm very, very surprised that, that he was not able to pull, you know, at least one or two coaches from that staff because, uh, you know, he, he, you know, if he struck out on Freeman and he struck out on Tommy Reese, you know he was trying to, to, to get a few others to come along sure. to help him implement his program and to not have anybody want to leave and follow him. That says as much about what they think about Marcus Freeman as anything else. And I think that's a big, big testimonial to him. 
Well, and I want to wrap it up now because I know I asked you guys for an hour of your time and very gracious. And we do appreciate that. Um, one of the things that I purposely did, well, not, did not want to do is kind of compare um, Marcus Freeman to the coaches that we had that the, with the success that we had, because I don't think that's necessarily fair, but if you got, see, thank you, Ned, um, that goes along with that tiny helmet that you, uh, that you had. That you, <laughs> yes. Oh, there you go. There you go. Um, if we can just go around and really just kind of um, talk about kind of any last thoughts uh, that you have kind of about how this process went, how fast it went, um, and not necessarily Bassett and Kelly here, but the idea that, I mean, he left us in a really, really good spot. Although it was kind of chaotic, the, the opportunities that the young men have, literally Saturday and beyond, are going to be great. So uh, I'm kind of liking the fact that he left. I don't like the fact the way he did it, but the fact that he did leave and we were able to kind of find someone uh, so quickly is, is great. But if we can just kind of go around the, our, our little broadcast studio and just kind of give me your, your final thoughts. Tom, we can start with you. Um, I'm thinking about Parsegan now and the type of impact that he made with us because he was uh, relatively quiet, but he had vision. Uh, uh, so his leadership was about having leadership ahead, uh, finding out a way to stop Texas in the Cotton Bowl, um, to develop a nearer defense, uh, to put something like that together that just shut them down, left them with five turnovers. Uh, Notre Dame recovers four of those five. We win game round two of Texas versus Notre Dame. Mm. Um, and it was all about toughness and toughness on defense. I mean, we scored some points but it was defense that had to shut down again a team that was 30 and 0 playing in the Cotton Bowl and we did that we accomplished that so i i think i think that mr freeman is is a visionary i think he's very similar i think he's going to be very similar to the way coach barsegan designing defenses specifically to stop specific teams as opposed to just saying, well, you know, I have a four-man front, I have a three-man front, you know, whatever, and we're going to line up that way, and we're going to force their hand no matter what. You can't do that. He, he understood that that wouldn't be the case. So what as he builds his team, because he has a great nucleus, he, you know, he does have a great nucleus to start with, but he's going to always need to continue recruiting, and, and that team will evolve. And he's not going to be able to run that same defense against every team, so forth and so on. So I think he sounds like a, a very, very smart guy. He's played the game. Um, he's got some smart coaches that he's inherited who stayed with him and showed him loyalty. And I think with loyalty comes a price. And um, I, I think he'll continue to be good to the guys who are going to support him. So that's the long way of saying while I don't know him directly, I can only go by what his one-year resume sort of says to me and what he accomplished in a one short period of time. But I'd like to com to compare him to that legend, uh, Eric mm. Bessie. That's great. That's great. Uh, Reggie, how about you? 
I, I, I'm really excited about this this era, and as, as so many people have said, I, I I like how he they're set up for success. This team is set up for success, and you know to have the the guys that maintain that group, and you know maintain that coaching staff, that continuity, because that's extremely important for a program. And you know, like you mentioned, you know, Coach Kelly left. In a way that again, I, w- I was I, again. I understand again. It's a business, and the the more we under you know, it, and that's unfortunately where the game is headed. It's a business, but him leaving, I think he left us in a in a great position, and I think a lot of the the staff stayed because they believe in Notre Dame, you know, and like a lot of the the recruits that come to Notre Dame, they don't come. You know, I think may have been maybe one, maybe two decommits and for them to to do that turnaround and and i gotta give uh props to jack swarbrick in getting this turned around as quickly as he did because again you know how you know and again having worked there i can honestly say you know they wanted to announce they want i mean the announcement has still not been officially made because <laughs> they can't officially announce it until monday most likely because of you know let's we can all thank george o'leary for that um, you know, because <laughs> Notre Dame does things different. I mean, it, it's not like you know, the athletic department is not its own entity. It is a part of the university, and it follows university protocols when it comes to hire the hiring process. So they have to go through those same, you know, hurdles. And for them to get this done as quickly as they did, I was a little shocked. You know, because you know Jack is a very cerebral individual. But I think he knew, and I think they've all known from from day one that this is this guy. Wow. He was he was he was the next coming, mm. and I think that was something. And I believe again, and I could be wrong, but I think even Coach Kelly had made reference to this in a press conference during the season that he made some statements that he kind of walked back about you know uh, Marcus Freeman being the heir apparent. So this is not a new deal. Um, and I think this is something that Jen, it came a little sooner than what people were, were as as Ned said, I think they were thinking more two to three years and that transition. But, you know, it's it's here. It's here a lot sooner. But I really feel that it's going to require the support of not only the, the, the current team, the administration, but also the alumni so it, that he knows and that the university knows this is this is we got to rally around because we have an opportunity here. We got I think uh, the next next two classes are top five recruiting classes, and I'm one of the first ones that felt Notre Dame would never win another national championship because we just did we weren't we didn't have the depth that right. we needed to win that. This guy came in right away. Him, um, Elston, um, Polian recruit their butts off and got two top five recruiting classes right now, back to back. That is, I can't remember the last time. Normally we're sitting around 10 to 15. We're <laughs> top five, fellas. And, and, and we're in this, that depth is coming. And, you know, I think we're just a quarterback away from having that ability to make that next jump and, and to compete with the Georgias, the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the LSUs and so forth. So we're right there. I mean, he's in a great spot. 
but he has to be diligent, focused, and laser laser focused on keeping this group together, but c- continue to grow. But the fact that he understands what Notre Dame is about, that's going to give him the best opportunity to be successful. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that success and us being a part of that success and you know, being brought in to be a part of it. Ned, can you give us your final thoughts? Yeah, I, I believe that he is a motivator a lot of the ways like Coach Holtz was a motivator. Coach Holtz could get you to run through a, a door and, uh, and and want to play for him or, or and play at that moment in time. Uh, and he respected Notre Dame and, and the bigger picture of Notre Dame and preached that to, to all of us all the time. The difference is I think um, Marcus Freeman – is probably a little bit more user-friendly for the players. At least right now he is, but as I think Tom and Ross both said, don't change who you are. Be the same person that got you here and, and got you the support of, of the Notre Dame Nation. Uh, be that person. And it's not easy being the head job, but but you got great coaching staff, so I'll thank Coach Kelly for that. But I will say one one thing is, uh, when Coach Kelly left, it's not like he said, hey, guys, go and run with it. He tried to blitzkrieg a little bit and, and uh, burn down the village by pulling Freeman and a few other guys away. So I won't give him too much compliment on uh, <laughs> he walked off in the sunset with $95 million, uh, and nicely. Uh, I'm happy for him. I'm thankful for what he did for Notre Dame. But he wasn't trying to leave on a real nice note. He was trying to burn this village down. And uh, because – Jack Swarbrick, I like Jack a lot. Some people have different – I like Jack a lot. I think he's done great for – so many sports at Notre Dame, and he's a class individual. I think he knew the guy, but he had to say the right things. He had to wait, and he got the vibe, and uh, he pulled the trigger quickly. And because of that, if, and because it was Freeman, uh, they saved a lot of that coaching staff. And I think he'll he'll just be a little bit uh, more of the players kind of coach – which I think at times we kind of wish Lou was a little bit more like that, but he's motivating like Lou, and Lou was great. Um, Brian Kelly wasn't either one of those really, but he did win, and, and I thank him for that. And uh, let's see what the future holds with this coaching staff and Marcus Freeman, but we're 100% behind him. Uh, you know, go Irish. Ross, what do you, what do you think? Can you give us your final thoughts? Well, one thing about it, you know, when you – just say Notre Dame. That's history. That's a legacy. That's something that stands a top brand across the whole collegiate world. And, you know, I, I think it's really going to bring us back to that notoriety and be able to get us back into championship form so that everybody can get out there and really try to work together and win these games and try to get a championship for our school. And, you know, just, just thinking about, you know, how, how all that's going to happen, you know, he just has to stay focused, keep his dream alive, and defensively play his defense. And offensively, I think Tommy Reese is over on that side and, and his game. And I, I think that both of them really can come together and formulate a wonderful winning team for us all. And that's what I'd like to see for Notre Dame and for all the alumni. We can be invited back 
to campus. <laughs> you know, that, I mean, that, that's a great, great honor and great respect. And, you know, I, I just truly believe we're going to have a one, wonderful, uh, what is it, festival? Is, is it festival yet? Well, well yet. hopefully we have yet. a chance. We're hoping it's one of the – Oh. Yeah, I hope it's like an orange or cotton. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Steve, can you give us your final thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I can tell you, Ross, I was in Arizona the last few days, and, and they're saying Notre Dame Fiesta Bowl right now. Trust me, they want wow. that more than anything. Uh, but it's going to come down to whether or not, uh, you know, what happens with these, these games uh, tonight and tomorrow, uh, where, where we're going to find out, you know, things that we're not in control of right now. Uh, just whether or not we're going to get into that Final Four. Uh, I can tell you this, though. Because of what's happened over the last, you know, several days, uh, I, I think there's probably a lot of teams that do not want to face Notre Dame right now because of the energy that's out there right now. Because, you know, we all know how how teams rally in situations like this when they, when they feel like they've been abandoned or someone has counted them out and, and disrespected them for whatever reason. We all know what happens a lot of times in those situations. And I think this could be one of those incredible stories. As far as what Marcus Freeman is, is all about, you know, I look back on my time, and I'm sure that the guys that played for the coaches before uh, we did, uh, you know, when we went from Jerry Faust to Lou Holtz, we didn't know what we didn't have with Jerry Faust. You know, we, we did not know that he was holding us back. But it took us about, and Ned, you were in that locker room. It took us about maybe three minutes to figure maybe. out that this guy was something different <laughs> and that we had a dude in there now that knew how to get it done. And, and I think that's what Jack Swarbrick, and I, I want to tip my hat to him as well because we all know there's a lot of pressure on him to make the right choice, and there are a lot of people that had opinions on who that choice should be, and there are a lot of big names out there, successful coaches, he could have made a run at, but he stuck to what he knew and what he knew Notre Dame already had and looked at all the recruiting, as Reggie mentioned, and he looked at all the different things that Marcus Freeman's going to bring to it and said, this guy is the right guy for us right now and could end up being our ticket for the next 15, 20 years. I mean, how great would that be at his, at his age, 36 years old, to have him make one of those long runs one of those epic runs. It would be absolutely fantastic. And he is going to have all of our support. We know that. Uh, let's just see what happens. And I, I'm excited about the future of Notre Dame football right now. Gentlemen, this has been great. And, and one of the things I wanted to do for the folks listening and watching was really have a chance to kind of really kind of um, experience kind of our feelings across generations. And as well as a perspective from a former head coach um, in Mike Haywood, I'd like to thank him because, I mean, the idea that somebody can kind of walk into the situation is not really easy. Um, we've, we've all talked about how hard it is at Notre Dame, but, you know, we don't know what it is like to be a coach at Notre Dame. And, you know, uh, Mike was a, a the offensive coordinator. That, that was hard enough. But the idea that – I mean, he's going to have this tremendous responsibility, and I, I, I hope and pray that he's able to keep some of that aspect of being a player's coach because now we all know, hey, it's offense, defense, special teams, alumni, 
um, media. I mean, you know, this is going to be a new animal for a young coach. And I'm excited to hear about the fact that, you know, not only us, but other folks have talked about, talked about supporting him. Um, this is just a cross section of former players. There's a bunch of guys out there that are willing to kind of do anything for uh, this, this or for Marcus coming in. And, you know, I just want to wish him much success, but also understand that, you know, he has thousands of former players behind him. And anytime he needs anything, we will definitely be there for him. So, guys, thank you very so much for your time. I want to thank Ned Bokar, Tom Gatewood, Steve Berline, Ross Browner, Reggie Brooks, Ryan Harris, Tom Mendoza for kind of giving us uh, just really a cross-section of kind of thoughts and ideas really about what's going to happen, hopefully, you know, in the next 10, 15 years for Notre Dame football. Gentlemen, thank you so much, and go Irish. The idea that you can um, really bring folks together as a head coach is important. And we're so thankful to have a snippet of how the players feel about them. Um, we were able to kind of watch and experience this through a small video that I will play in a second. Uh, because I, I, I love watching it, but I, I just love the enthusiasm and the excitement that these young players have considering all the things they had to face. I mean, they were told that they do not have a coach after working their butt off to be successful enough to go 11-1, be, be ranked sixth in the country, and then have your coach walk away. I mean, how do you feel as a 18, 19, 21-year-old? So I'm excited to see the enthusiasm, excuse me, the enthusiasm that these young men have to coach. So after we get back, I have a few more comments, uh, and then we will be done. But I want you guys to check out this video once again. This is um, the first time that Marcus Freeman is being introduced as the head coach of Notre Dame to his football team. We're extremely proud of you guys on your focus and your ability to lock in all week long this week, okay? It was awesome to see, awesome to be a part of. It shows who you are, your DNA, your mental toughness, your physical toughness, the way you compete, the way you care about each other, okay? That's what this team run is going to be about, competing, getting after it with mental and physical toughness, and being the best in the country in what we do. So are we ready to do that? Yes, sir. All right, so what I'm going to do now, okay, because you're brand new, Head football coach. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, that isn't fake. Okay, I mean, you cannot fake something like that. And it's great to see the kids again go through all of this adversity and now find someone that they can believe in, someone that that will be their leader, their mentor. So I'm excited about where Notre Dame is right now, um, where they, they, they are as a coaching staff, 
Um, but a little bit more importantly, the fact that they were able to kind of get some continuity because they're about to bark on some really challenging weeks ahead. Uh, tomorrow, um, we're going to see um, what happens with championship games. And there's a possibility, depending on what happens tomorrow, and the college football playoff committee will vote on Sunday to see who the top final four will be. And Notre Dame has a chance. Um, Gary Barda, the athletic director at Iowa, the, the chairman of the college football playoff committee, talked about how players and coaches are part of the requirement when they look at the success teams are going to have. And when you have a coach that may not have been there, that may have had a difference. And so now we do have a coach. Everybody across America has seen the enthusiasm these young men have for them. So hopefully the college football playoff committee will have a chance to kind of look at this through maybe a different lens. Before, when Coach Kelly left, oh, they don't have a coach. There's a possibility, hey, why would we put them in the Final Four? Well, now they now Notre Dame has a coach, and wow, his student athletes are really excited about him, excited about him as well as the recruits out there who are going to be coming to Notre Dame in the next couple of years. So I, kudos to the athletic administration, Jack Swarbrick at Notre Dame for making a, a great choice in a very short period of time. Um, because this will really determine really what Notre Dame does in the next couple of years. So uh, as you saw from the, the former players, um, you saw from uh, a very influential alumnus, um, Tom Mendoza, the excitement that he has. I mean, these are folks who matter, who put blood, sweat, and tears into the program, and you see how they feel. So I wanted to bring you a little different perspective because um, there's, there are a lot of voices out there and oftentimes you may not hear everyone's. Um, I try Once again, I try to bring you a cross-section of folks to kind of tell you how they felt. Um, but what we're seeing here is this excitement around nerding football that literally we have not seen in a very long time. So, I mean, all the guys out there, I know I've been talking to a bunch of them, they're all excited. So we know that it sounds like Notre Dame is in great hands and we're excited about it. But a little bit more importantly, you know, all the thousands and thousands of Subway alumni out there um, who watched Notre Dame never went there, never graduated, never took a class there, but love that institution. You're, ex you're, you're going to be as excited as we are. And we played there. So I'm, so I'm excited for you as followers, um, as folks who bleed blue and gold, but never went there. Um, I mean, this is the type of excitement that you want to have around a program. And it's one that you've been following for years and years. So I'm excited about everything that, 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 that Notre Dame has to store. But one thing I want to remember you guys with, um, I mentioned before the college football playoff uh, committee will vote. Um, I am part of the Football Riders Association of America and the and the, the National Football Foundation's Super 16 poll. We'll be voting for the last time on December 5th um, for our Super 16 picks. Um, I have a show 
on this channel. Um, you can check out my YouTube page, my Twitter page, and my Facebook page. I will have a hour show on my final 16 picks and also kind of talk a little bit about what we have in store for the bowls coming up. So I have a little promo that I can show you guys. that will get you guys as excited about the Super 16 poll that I am. So uh, I'll have a chance to, to play this promo for you. And thank you so much for watching. Super 16, it's the cream of the crop. College football time of year, don't stop. We're here adding this guy. Just another go down with the courage, heart, skill, and wit. Bringing you the best 16. Serving up a place for the football teams. Breaking the best 16 college teams. Football fans, it's the show where you dream. Ain't no bias. Chris Zorich breaking truth. Traded in the golden helmet in the past for a suit. With the tape, never lie. College ball, he's a stoop. Breaking the top 16, not the top 32. I don't mean to cut you off like a Zorvis jersey, but you ain't really grinding unless the jersey dirty. Get running back like a Mack truck behind the 30 yard line. It's game time. My team riding off the side. You look at Chris like this with a fact check list. Going over college teams like a big scientist. He's streaking from his head like in his playing days. Super 16 poles on the show straight away. It's the FBS, the best of the best from the ACC to the SEC. Pac 12, Big 10, Mount West, Sun Belt, and the Big 12. Open your eyelids. Who the best? Best like the clock. Super 16 is the cream of the crop. College football time of year don't stop. With Christopher Zurich, just another go down with the courage. Heart, skill, and will. Bringing you the best 16. Serving up a plate for the football teams. Breaking the best 16 college teams. Football fans, this is the show where you dreams.